other people get hurt, don't we? And that's what that movie's about, right? Today we begin this series, Christmas at the Movies, and we're uh, going to use several of our favorite Christmas movies, hopefully one of yours along the way, to illustrate some biblical truths or maybe to ask some important questions that Scripture answers. And so today, we do come to Home Alone, the first of the movies that we've chosen. And this movie in particular is all about family and family that doesn't always get along, family that struggles with some stuff. And most of us can identify with that at least a little bit because we're in this sort of season in which families get together a lot. Maybe you got together this week with some family, or you've got some things planned for the next few weeks where you're going to be with family, and, and maybe you're really excited about seeing some of those people, and then maybe there's a few you're just not, if you're honest, right? You're not excited about that because it can be a little bit difficult. You know, when I reflect back on my childhood, I think about Christmas Day, and for my family, since I had my parents were only children, no aunts, no uncles, no first cousins. It was me, my brother, my parents, both sets of grandparents at our house. And honestly, I could not imagine it being any better at that time because we liked being together. We just had a lot of fun. It was a great day. So that's my family. Now, let me tell you a little bit about my in-laws. Just kidding, okay? I, this is recorded, so. No, I got great in-laws. But we all have somebody in our family that maybe can be a little difficult. I, I look back and one of my mom's first cousins usually wasn't at the holiday gatherings, but saw her other times in the year. And I actually liked being around her, except that when she first saw you, she sort of had to give an update on whether she thought you had gained or lost weight since the last time you saw her, okay? And for a kid who struggled with that a little bit, it was not fun to see her, okay? So you know what it's like. You've got somebody that's just sometimes difficult to be around. You may love them. 
You may sometimes forget you love them, but they're, they're part of your family and you're going to see them. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to have some of that, some of that family gathering. And, and maybe there's people that, and for them, you are always the same little kid. Like they will never allow you to be the adult you've grown into. They're just always going to remind everyone of the time you ate too much Christmas candy and got sick or the time you opened a present too early and got caught or something like that. And, and it feels like I just want to be who I am now and they won't let me. Or there's somebody who's going to bring up politics and you're not going to convince them and they're not going to convince you and it's going to get a little bit ugly. Or there's somebody who along the way, I mean, they honestly cause you some pain. And it's not ever been fully resolved. You're, you're there together, you coexist, but, but it's still in the back of your mind. Or there's someone that you avoid. You show up at grandma's or mom's at, at a different time than they do, specifically because you're hoping not to see them. Or there's a real fracture in your family. People that don't talk. People that will not communicate any longer. And those can be difficult things. And we see that in lots of families, and we see that in the story of Home Alone. We've got Kevin who gets left home alone at Christmas. His family's flying to Paris. He gets left behind inadvertently. But leading up to that, there's a lot of tension in this family, and, and he wakes up with no family and sort of feels like he's caused all that. And, and as he's home alone, he goes through lots of stuff, as you know, but on Christmas Eve, he goes to church, and it's a little early. It's during a rehearsal for the Christmas program, and he encounters old man Marley, who everybody thinks is a murderer and hides the bodies in this big can of salt that he puts out on the sidewalks and the driveways. And he's a little surprised to see old man Marley at church, and this is their encounter. Let's watch this clip. granddaughter up there, the little red-haired girl. She's about your age. You know her? No. You live next to me, don't you? You can say hello when you see me. You don't have to be afraid. There's a lot of things going around about me, but none of it's true. Okay? Been a good boy this year? I think so. You swear to it? I had a feeling. Well, this is the place to be. You're feeling bad about yourself. It is? I think so. Are you feeling bad about yourself? No. I'm in kind of a pain lately. I said some things I shouldn't have. I really haven't been too good this year. Yeah. 
I'm kind of upset about it because I really like my family. Even though sometimes I say I don't. Sometimes I even think I don't. Do you get that? I think so. How you feel about your family is a complicated thing. Especially with an older brother. Deep down, you always love them. But you didn't forget that you love them. And you can hurt them and they can hurt you. And that's not just because you're young. You want to know the real reason why I'm here right now? Sure. I came to hear my granddaughter sing. And I can't come to hear her tonight. You have plans? No. I'm not welcome. At church? Oh, you're always welcome to church. I'm not welcome with my son. Years back, before you and your family moved on the block, I had an argument with my son. How old is he? Well, he's grown up. We lost our tempers. And I said I didn't care to see him anymore. He said the same. And we haven't spoken to each other since. If you miss him, why don't you call him? I'm afraid if I call him, he won't talk to me. How do you know? I don't know. I'm just afraid he won't. No offense, but aren't you a little old to be afraid? You can be a little old for a lot of things. You're never too old to be afraid. That's true. I've always been afraid of our basement. It's dark, there's weird stuff down there, and it smells funny, that sort of thing. It's bothered me for years. The basements are like that. Then I made myself go down there to do some laundry, and I found out it's not so bad. All this time I've been worrying about it, but if you turn on the lights, it's no big deal. What's your point? My point is you should call your son. What if he won't talk to me? At least you'll know. Then you can stop worrying about it, and he won't have to be afraid anymore. I don't care how mad I was, I talked to my dad. Especially around the holidays. I don't know. Just give it a shot. For your granddaughter, anyway. I'm sure she misses you. And the presents. I sent her a check. Wish my grandparents said that. They were wishing me clothes. Last year, I got a sweater with a big bird knitted on it. Oh, that's nice. Not for a guy in the second grade. You can get beat up for wearing something like that. Oh. Yeah. I have a friend who got nailed because there was a rumor he wore dinosaur pajamas. You better run along home where you belong. You think about what I said, all right? Okay. It's nice talking to you. Nice talking to you. What about you? Me? Yeah, you and your son. We'll see what happens. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So what do we do when our family's words and actions don't meet up with our expectations? What we really want from them? I want us to think about that for a few minutes today by looking at a passage from 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, at this part of the book, Paul is dealing with the way the Spirit works in us and the mighty ways that God is at work in you and me as followers of Jesus. And, and it's all this stuff that is very powerful. And then he says, all that, as great as it is, is secondary 
to something else. And this is the way he words it. We find it in a, a famous passage of Scripture that comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul says you could literally be speaking the words of God himself, and that is secondary. That is less than showing love to another person. The mission of our church is to love God and love others. And this is one more place where Scripture confirms that that's what God wants from us. Most of all, is for us to love the people around us. So, as we face these family struggles that are just part of almost every family and certainly can be part of the holidays, our response as followers of Jesus should be to show love. Even when our families don't meet up with our expectations, even when we get provoked or irritated, our response is love. Now the question is, what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, Paul lays it out pretty clearly in the next few verses. He says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now Paul gives us a great picture there of what love is all about, but we can't go through that long list of things this morning. We don't have that time, but, but several of them do sort of strike me as I think of some of the things that we struggle with during the holidays with our families. Like right there at the beginning, Paul says love is patient. My guess is sometime in the next few weeks, as you deal with family, you are going to have your patience tried, aren't you? There are going to be things that are said. You're going to feel a little bit provoked or even angered by something that someone says, and it's going to take all you can to be patient in that moment and think through your response, which the next phrase speaks to when Paul says, love is kind. Love is kind. Love is kind even when kindness is not deserved by the other person. Even when we struggle to show kindness. Sometimes kindness is not our first response. And yet Paul says that's the way love responds. We look back many years before Paul wrote to the book of Proverbs in chapter 15 verse 1. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And you know that's true. When people say things that and we want to respond and tell them exactly what we think of what they said and maybe exactly what we think of them, we are reminded that a gentle answer can restore and maintain the relationship. But when we speak in anger, we're usually going to do more harm. And there's escalation that begins to happen. We respond in anger, and then the other person does. We respond in more anger, and then they do. And it builds on itself. And maybe we get to the point that we're no longer speaking to someone that we really do love, or at least used to love. So Paul reminds us of that. He also says love keeps no record of wrongs. 
Now, some of us can be really good at keeping a record of wrongs, can't we? I mean, you name the person and we can name the stuff that they've done wrong, that they've done to hurt us in the past. We've got a list. We can make an Olympic sport of keeping record of wrongs. And Paul says, as followers of Jesus, that's not how we keep relationships strong. In fact, it takes it just the opposite. When we are always ready to tell a person what they have done wrong, we are destroying the relationship. Now, none of these things that Paul lists are easy. But it sort of tells us that, you know, I can't control the actions of another person. I can't control what they do, but I can control how I respond. So, we might put it this way. Your family's actions may not be great, but your response can be. What your family says and does may be difficult. At times, it might even be a little bit painful. But your response doesn't have to be the same. Their actions may not be great, but your response can be. You can respond in love even when it is unearned and undeserved. Now again, that's not always easy. It may not be the first thing that comes to mind. That's sort of what we're called to do. I think back to a a biblical story as we're thinking through this Christmas story. and In Luke chapter 1, And the story of Jesus' birth is not the only birth in this story. There's also John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. His parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth think they're never going to have kids because they're too old. Zechariah is a priest serving in the temple. An angel speaks to him and says, in your old age, you're going to have a son. He basically says, you've got to be kidding me. We're too old. The angel says, it's going to happen. Here's your sign. You're not going to be able to say another word till the baby's born. And that's the way it worked. His wife, Elizabeth, conceives... And then she hears that her cousin Mary has also conceived. But Mary is unmarried. And in a culture in which you could be killed for having a child outside marriage, Mary's in a tough situation. An angel has spoken to her. God is going to bring a miracle, and that's the way this baby came to be. But that's a pretty hard story to sell to people. And so my guess is she faced some struggles because of that. And it might be that there was a good bit of their family that would have rejected her. Everyone would have understood that. In fact, everyone would have expected that. But Mary decided to go see Elizabeth. And Elizabeth in that moment had a choice. Now we know Mary's story, but there's no record in Scripture that Elizabeth did. And so she had a decision to make. Will I shun her? as sort of would be expected? Or will I welcome her into my home? And we know that according to the story, Elizabeth opened her doors and welcomed Mary and in that moment, welcomed the very presence of God into her home. Now she could have done what everyone expected her to do, to assume the very worst, and to respond accordingly. But that's not what she did. She responded in love. Even when your family's actions are not great, your response can be. And this passage is a great place for us to start. We cannot control how others respond to us, but we can control what we do. And Paul calls us to respond in love. Now, the truth is, love is a little risky because we don't know if it'll be returned. Love makes us feel vulnerable because we can be hurt in that. 
And so there's a challenge of sometimes showing love when we're afraid that it may not be returned. But that's the call of Scripture, to respond in love. And we can control that. So let me encourage you as you think about what that means for your life. This is a short passage, 1 Corinthians 13, easy to look up. Read through that maybe several times this week. And it might strike you that this is where I'm coming up short. This part of love is what I'm not doing. Or maybe this relationship, as difficult as it is, requires me to respond with love in this way. Let God be at work in you with this passage and challenge you to become the person that you need to be. This applies to families, but it applies to friendships and people that we work with and people that we go to church with and any relationship, really. Our family or others, their actions may not be great. But your response can be. And when we take that risk of love, man, sometimes there can be an incredible payoff. And we see that in this clip from Home Alone. family has its challenges. You know, we would like to project this image that everything is perfect, that we've got it all together, everybody's happy, and everybody always gets along, and that's just not true. It doesn't work that way. But when we respond with the kind of love that God has shown to us, we can maintain healthy, long-term relationships. Sometimes it works out just like that, just like what we saw. Sometimes it doesn't. Love is a risk. It takes some vulnerability to show. But man, when it pays off, it pays off. So even when your family's actions are not great, your response can be. Let's pray together. God, help us to show the kind of love that you've shown for us, the kind that's unearned and undeserved. It's risky and it makes us feel vulnerable. God, help us to see the payoff. Help us to see what grace and forgiveness and relationships that last a lifetime look like. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.